0: Here's some numbers for you to think about. Last year, in 2021, the U.S. large cap stock returned a whopping 26%. But on average, that same U.S. large cap stocks, which are big companies like Microsoft or Facebook or Apple, the 10-year average return has been 15% over those 10 years. And then over 15 years, the average return has been almost 10 percent. Now, going on down to small stocks or small cap stocks, which are smaller companies, last year in 2021, they returned 24 percent and the 10 year average was 12.7 percent, while over 15 years, those small cap stocks returned 8.5 percent. And then lastly, you might've heard bonds, which are essentially a loan to a company. And that long-term bond rate last year actually lost money at negative 1%. Now, when you compare that to the average return of the past 10 years, it was 6%. And for 15 years, it was 6.75%. So again, I know these are a lot of numbers, We're going to break down a little bit more of what all these different mutual funds mean and how to invest in them on this episode.
1: Good day and welcome to the Save Like Dave podcast, where we are on a mission to help you save and win with your money on almost any income level. Dave retired at 55, traveled the world, and lived abundantly, all while making well under $50,000 a year his entire career. Now it's your turn. Let's take your financial dreams to the next level.
0: On today's episode, Dave's going to share a little bit about his personal journey working at Sears and how that relates to your journey in the stock market.
1: Hey guys, thanks for joining me once again with uh, Save Like Dave. And as Nate mentioned, I'm going to talk a little bit about how I got started in the investing part of my life. And just to recap what Nate said about those numbers just a minute ago, The thing to understand, if you didn't catch it, was stock market is very volatile. It goes up, it goes down, and uh, some years you do way better, and then some years you actually lose money, but over time, it does well, and over the last 100 years, if you had your money in the stock market for 100 years, you're going to be way, way ahead than if you just put it in a CD or savings account, so it's a little more risky. But over the long term, it it makes a huge difference on your financial success. And then within what Nate said, you know, large cap stocks tend to be pretty strong and healthy and a little bit less volatile. The small cap stocks are more volatile because they're smaller companies. Some of them go out of business and that'll affect that rate. But once in a while, those like a, a Microsoft, it could have been, it was a small stock at one point and then it grew so fast, it became a large cap. So just as an idea. And then bonds, as Nate said, you know, it's debt. The companies uh, sell bonds. They take on debt and promise to pay you back a certain percentage. And with that money, they take it and they try to grow their business. They may build new buildings or whatever it is, as one example. Okay, so uh, let me just tell you a little bit about my story. And when I was starting out my career at Sears, they actually had three separate businesses inside our store. So for some of you that have been around a while, you know Sears is like a big department store. It'd be like Walmart or Target today. And for all intents and purposes, Sears is gone. It's out of business now. There's a few stores, but they're basically done. But when I was in there in the beginning, starting in the 70s, Sears was the king of retail, believe it or not. They were the Walmart of the retail world, and they were the world's largest retail store, which Walmart is now, and they were extremely successful. I had the unfortunate luck to start my career right when they're at their peak and they kind of slowly, gradually went out of business.
0: It was like you tried to pick that one big stock, that Apple or Tesla, and unfortunately it tanked from there.
1: That's right. I picked it at the top and that's not what you want to do when you buy stocks, right? You want to hopefully buy a stock when it's low and see it as it rides up. Well, I, I did... Uh, I didn't do very well in that area. However, you know, I, I'm i still happy with my career for the most part, but uh, good thing to know. So when you're looking for a career, as a quick example, you know, look for a healthy company that maybe is, you have a good sense that it's, it's moving, it's growing, and it's not on the decline. You know, a younger company that's more agile, that can make decisions quickly and stay ahead of the pack, so to speak. So anyway, we had, it was big stores, every one of them. And And the one I had in Portland, we had three separate businesses inside our store. So we had the hardware store, we had appliances, we had automotive, but we also had three other businesses. And here's what they were. One was Allstate, which is insurance, as you probably know. The other one was Caldwell Banker, which is real estate. And the third one was Dean Witter Reynolds, which is financial services.
0: You know, you mentioned Walmart, but... uh... Kind of what what you're saying almost reminds me more of Amazon to an extent, too. It was kind of like Sears, the everything store. They tried to be top of the line in everything, it sounds like.
1: You know, that's really, really a good point. That's a perfect analogy to what Sears was. Because when I was there, and again, this is before the internet, Sears was the biggest retail store in the company, I think, in the world. And they had this huge catalog business. And so they would mail out millions of catalogs, these big honking books. And people would buy stuff out of the catalog. They'd mail in this little form to Chicago. Chicago would get that order, fill it, and ship it to them You know, via United States Postal Service. Or if it was something big, they'd ship it on a truck. Because as a matter of fact, you could even buy houses back in the old days out of the catalog. You could buy tractors and everything possible in these catalogs catalogs aren't a big deal now but basically that's what Amazon did they were ahead of the game as far as when the internet came and they said hey we're going to i don't think they ever said this but we're going to be the Sears catalog of the internet and uh, they uh, they did extremely well and so basically Sears was ahead of its time they just didn't change when they needed to change and that's where Sears lost out and so all that to say big companies like Amazon and Walmart and Target They're having their day right now, but I guarantee you in a hundred years, you probably won't even have heard of them because that's just the life cycle of businesses.
0: Yeah. They have to adapt or or become like, yeah, adapt or die or become like Sears or Blockbuster.
1: That's right. All right. So in those uh, three companies, like I mentioned, we had Allstate, Dean Witter, which eventually was merged into Morgan Stanley and then uh, Caldwell Banker Real Estate on my lunch break, I was interested in those businesses. And in particular, I was interested in Dean Witter Reynolds, which was the brokerage firm. And so I'd go over there and I got to know one of the guys that worked in that little booth and talked to him about finance. And, you know, over a period of time, I got to know him pretty well and he shared what he did and how it works. And it just was really interesting to me. So this was the very first trade I ever made. And if you're totally unfamiliar with uh, stocks and bonds and that kind of stuff, you just can't go out and buy that product. You have to go through a brokerage firm. It's uh, because the government wants to make sure that it's on the up and the up and that some company is not selling you some, say, stock it's not the government's not keeping an eye on. They want to protect your purchase as best they can. So I learned a bit about finance, but realized I needed a professional to go to the next step. And so this is where I made my first stock purchase. In 1991, I bought 100 shares of Microsoft at $47 a share. So that cost me $4,700. And lo and behold, 11 months later, the stock was killing it. It was up to 78 and I sold it. And I sold it because my broker said, this company is really done well. You need to get your money before it goes down.
0: Yeah, you thought you were a genius, right? You bought it at $47 and you sold it at $78.
1: In less than a year. And honestly, I thought, wow, this is cool. This is easy. I made $3,100. Now, back in the 90s, $3,100 was, that's a lot of money, right? Probably like $10,000 today. And in less than a year, I was a genius, right? So I thought. So then I talked to my broker again. And I used the money from that sale of Microsoft, and I bought four hundred shares of a new company. My second purchase was a phone slash pager company called AT and E, not to be confused with AT and T. And their little thing was, again, this was when we had pagers. This is before we had cell phones. And so, for example, like a pager would be something you wear in your wrist, like a phone, and. You also had your phone on one wrist and you had a pager on the other or had it on your hip. And so how it would work is if uh, a doctor was uh, someplace and they needed him into the office, they could page him and he could instantly respond and, you know, rush to the office or the, the uh, hospital and take care of business and so on and so forth. So a pager was really a, actually a pretty good way, a real good way to get in touch with people, say, if you're out on the road somewhere or not near a phone. And uh, it was really sweeping the nation. It was very successful. So this company, AT&T, thought, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to put a phone with a pager all in one. And so we don't, don't have to have two devices that we wear. And you know what? I thought that was great because honestly, I had a pager at work and I had my phone on and my boss would page me and I'd, you know, then I'd go to a phone. Then I'd call him and say, you know, what's up? And he'd tell me to do this, to do that. So it was good, it was functional, but I thought if you had it on one phone, both, that would save, you know, having two things on your hand. I really thought it was a winner. Well, guess what? In a short amount of time, that company went out of business. And they had actually, I thought, a good product. It was a Seiko watch and the pager was included. The watch was bigger because it had to have both products on it. But for whatever reason, it did not take off. And I will say, you know, a few years later, Cell phones came on board, and that totally changed everything. So what lesson did I learn from that, right? For one thing, I learned that brokers may not have my best interest in mind, and I needed to become more knowledgeable on the subject of stocks, bonds, and mutual funds.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point, and one that you can't miss in that, you know, when you have somebody recommending a stock or a crypto or a mutual fund or invest in this or that real estate. If it's not their money, no matter what they say, they're just not going to care about it as much as you are.
1: A hundred percent, Nate. That is that is so important what you just said. They just, you know, they they could be really good people. They could be relatives for that matter. But they do not have a hundred percent buy in like you because it's not their money. And so I'm just saying do your due diligence and learn as best you can and then you know, step out and make that decision. I mean, there are definitely good brokers that can help you, and I know friends that have had brokers their whole career, their whole life, and they've been happy with them. So I'm not saying not to use brokers. If you're a person that doesn't have an interest in learning about that, you, know, you don't have to learn a lot, per se, but you do need to understand what I'm just talking about just now. You need to know the basics, okay? All right, so today I wanna to share a bit on how you can get some of that knowledge specifically on mutual funds. And again, you can use a broker after, but first understand the basics. So one great resource that I've found is a company called Morningstar, and that's a a company online like everybody is now. And it is loaded with information on companies that you've heard of and also many, many more that you have not. And what they do is a very thorough analysis of businesses and will help you determine if it would be a good investment for you. Another excellent resource is a big brokerage firm like Fidelity or Charles Schwab or TD Ameritrade. These big companies hope that you will invest your money with them, and so they give you a lot of free information on those stocks and bonds and mutual funds in hopes that you might part with a bit of your money and use their company to invest in one of those products. Now, again, you do have to go through a brokerage firm to buy these products. It's a, a relationship you have to have in order to get into this, these products. So specifically for today's podcast, all you need to do is go to their site and you pick the one that might interest you. For me, I have had Fidelity and Vanguard for over 30 years and I've been very happy with them. So I tend to talk about those two more, but there's many others that are really good as well. You might talk to your parents or uh, your person that you work with and see where they do their stock brokerage with. But for me, I did uh, Fidelity and Vanguard. I've been very happy with them. And that's no plug in the sense that I don't get paid, of course, but they're good. Okay, so here's what you do. Specifically, you go to their site, and then you drill down to the mutual fund or funds that you are interested in. So for example, let's just say Fidelity. I go onto Fidelity's site and I wanted to see mutual funds that are balanced with stocks and bonds. So what that means is I want a a mutual fund that has roughly a balance between, let's say, half stocks and half bonds. So that type of a fund would not be as aggressive as a fully mutual fund with just stocks, of course. Bonds tend to balance out stocks. When stocks are up, bonds are down. Stocks are down, bonds are up, generally. Not always, but most of the time. So a balanced fund is really a good fund to kind of be relatively safe in the stock market. So what you would do in this case in Fidelity, you would hit the tab that says News and Research. And then the next tab you would hit would be Mutual Funds. And then there is a page that says Don't Know Where to Begin. And then after clicking For Choices, you will see options that may interest you. Again, this is just an exercise you'd have to do on your own. I can't show you by talking to you over the, on the podcast, but you just have to play with it. It's all free, and you can do that on your own. But in this example, when I did that exercise, I looked for balanced funds with good returns and average risks. So in just a snap, they showed me six funds. And these six funds are from over 1,000 that they had initially when I first looked at that site. And of those six funds, it breaks it down even more. So that's a real easy, quick way to find what you're looking for. And just to you know, make it different, if you, instead of doing the balance funds, if you said, I want, I want large cap stocks, and you want above average returns, and I want high risks, you can put all that in. It'll find you those stocks. Oh, those, excuse me, those mutual funds, and they'll have a better return than the ones I'm looking at as balance funds. However, they're more risky. So it just depends on where you are and what age you are basically when you're getting in the market and uh, the decisions, you know, you have to make as you go forward. So from all of that, I can make a reasonably good determination of what mutual fund to buy.
0: Yeah. And what I like about this is it's fairly simple to do. It is. Obviously, some of these names are a little different between large cap, mid cap, small cap. And it makes sense. Big companies, medium companies, little companies. But kind of the key difference between the story Dave shared at the beginning and what, what we're recommending here is you're not trying to pick individual stocks. It's more picking the safer, tried and true approach of a mutual fund. And what's the reason for that? Well, one, you know, sure, you can certainly invest in individual stocks if you have a company you really like. But Dave shared there was a company he really liked called AT&E that had this incredible new technology with pagers. And it sounded perfect. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, he put everything in there and, and lost it all because the company went bankrupt. So with the mutual fund, you're going to get some that go bankrupt, some that go down, some that go up. But as a whole, they balance each other out and lessen the risk. And actually, one other thing, Dave, I don't even know if he mentioned, he mentioned he sold Microsoft and used that money to put it in the new pager company. But actually, from there, Microsoft continued to go up and up and up, whereas if he would have just left his money there, he would have made even more money. Yeah, you
1: know, I, did, I did forget to point that out. But Nate, you're 100% right. You know, this was back in 91, and my stock went from 41 to 78. And my broker said, you know, I think you need to take the money out. You know why he said that? Because a broker doesn't make money until their customer buys or sells their stocks or mutual funds.
0: Yeah, that's a key point there.
1: And so, again, I was a novice. I didn't know any better. And uh, I learned my lesson, right? But to Nate's point, if I've looked at that since, Microsoft in the 90s, this was back in 91, in the decade of the 90s, Microsoft was the stock to have. If I remember correctly now, it split six times in the 10 years from 91 to 2001. And I tracked it. If I had got all those splits and left that an original hundred shares in, it would have been, I think after like 20 years, it was like a half a million dollars. And you know what? Right now, Microsoft is killing it. And they've basically, they went stagnant for a while when they had this guy named Balmer who was the CEO. And they have a new guy in there the last few years who has just taken off this company is doing extremely well. And I didn't look at the numbers. I haven't looked since then. But if I had left that same 100 shares in from 1991 to 2022, I would almost guarantee I have a million dollars from that one stock alone. I may have had more than that. So lesson learned, right?
0: Yep. Lesson learned.
1: And don't cry over spilled milk because that's life. We're all going to have our our big losses. That's just the way it is. But hopefully you're going to have some winners
0: too. All right. So what are three things that we want to focus on on this episode?
1: You bet. All right. I know we went a little long today, but uh, some important things I hope you got from this and uh, will help you in your journey to be successful with money. And the first point I want to emphasize is a fool and his money are soon parted. So you've heard that phrase, I'm sure.
0: I haven't, but... Oh, (laughs) okay.
1: Fair enough. A fool and his money are soon parted. And it's true. So what I did was I became educated in the basics of finance. In this podcast, I shared resources that you can use that are usually free and will be greatly assisting you on your journey. And once you learn where to go, spend some time moving through the sites and you will gain knowledge needed to make informed decisions in the world of finance.
0: Yeah. So I think a key point there is you're not just going to invest in things because you hear it's a good idea or it sounds good. You know, you're going to study, you're going to look up, you're going to educate yourself and find the things that manage the risk that you're comfortable with.
1: Correct. All right. The last thing I want to talk about today, and then we'll be done, is to take action. I always want to end with that because this is where the rubber meets the road. So now you know where to get the information. It may now be time to take action and purchase your first mutual fund. It can all be done online, and if you need help at all, these brokerage firms are there to help you. And they're not all, they're not bad guys, not at all. But as you saw from my example, you need to be knowledgeable about what you're doing. And they are one of very few companies that I have found that answer the phone call without a hassle. You know, when you call AT&T or you call Comcast or whatever, good luck. good luck, but when you call a brokerage firm, I have found over 40 years, that they quickly answer the phone. It's unbelievable. You talk to a human being without going through a bunch of steps. So I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, no, that's a good point. Great. Well, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you learned a little bit more about mutual funds and why we think it's a good option for you to invest your money in them. On next week's episode, Dave is going to share how you can learn from the big boys. He will help you to navigate through a brokerage website so you can better understand personal finance. By the end of the podcast, you will come away with a ton of knowledge. Dave's goal at the end of the talk for you is to have enough understanding to begin investing your hard-earned cash and save some money for your future.
1: That's right. And so basically, it's going to be part two to what we talked about today. And I'm going to just kind of drill down a little bit more and really give you some good real-life examples of being successful in that business.
0: All right. Well, that's great. And Dave has another proverb today.
1: Okay, I'm going to close with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And if any of you are Bible readers or are learning about the Bible, this is a, a pretty important one. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight.